Welcome to the Jalal Azar podcast presenting Breaking Resistance. I'm Jalal John Azar. And I'm Francisco Herrera. And we're talking with entrepreneurs who have reached the peak through breaking barriers and obstacles in their personal and business journey to educate and inspire you to break your own resistance. Welcome, everybody, to the Breaking Resistance podcast. I am your co-host, Francisco, and I'm going to point this out because it's going to be an interesting show today. I know normally I have John. It's John and I who are actually hosting the Breaking Resistance podcast. I mean, his name is the Jalal John, the Jalal John Azar podcast. Um, but today we actually have a special guest. He's actually our our. He's going to be my co-host today. Yeah, I have Chris Elmore. Well, because Chris- we had trouble with the old guy. Yeah. <laughs> so Go ahead, we're, Francisco. We're, we're, yeah, we're essentially this is the episode where we're firing John and we're gonna yes. have him on the show as well, but just man, not that man, that's this. like that's a that's a rough way to find out you're getting a pink slip. That's for damn sure. Hey, hey, on a podcast, hey John, on, on, a hey, po- John. on your own podcast, by the way, it's, I'm getting you're, a pink slip on fired. my own podcast. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. You're fired. If you guys don't already know, if you've had, if you guys been following us for some time, Chris Elmore has been on the show. I believe he was actually episode three. Really great and amazing podcast. If you want to learn more, you guys can go ahead and check out his episode. But Chris, Chris and John, they go way back. So we decided to bring you guys something a little bit more unique, something uh, um, put put John on the hot seat, as I like That's to right. say. So. So Chris was generous enough, and he actually... It was my idea. It was don't, his idea. I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm yeah. not going to go ahead and, and take credit or anything like that. It was actually Chris's idea. We thought this was actually going to be something really awesome to do. So Chris, thank you so much for putting this and, together. And us. I fell for it. I actually agreed to it. That's amazing. So <laughs> because That's because I told you that I was going to do this on the podcast, and there's no way that you could wuss out on it. I mean, you were there in front of America. So look, here's the thing. This in front is, this of America. Fr- fr- in front of the world. That podcast goes around all, all around the world. But look, Francisco, because you remember on the, uh, yeah, you better get hydrated for this thing because it's going to be rough, <laughs> is that you remember that when I first came on there, I said, I will do this as long as I get to um, interview John at the very end. Now, here's the thing. One, I got to do ground rule number one. I've known this guy for... 35 years, 36 years, I can't remember. I'm losing count here. I've known it for longer than millennials have been alive. I've known him for longer than most millennials have been on this earth. And and I know him as Johnny, and I'm going to call him Johnny. I don't care what the name of this podcast is. I know him as Johnny. I'm going to call him Johnny. I know he's trying to grow up. He just turned 50 last week. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. And so, but here's, this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing. And then we're going to move on to the content. The whole thing is this, is that I can't think of one person that has broken more resistance than him. Now, it has a lot to do with the fact that I've known him his most of his life. But the things that we're going to talk about today are truly groundbreaking resistance things where a lot of people could say, look how humble he is. A lot of people could just say, hey, look, I'm going to coast. I'm not going to try to be successful. I'm not going to try to do this. I'm not going to try at all. I got this stacked against me. I got this stacked against me. I might as well not try. And he, he did none of that. So that's, that's why I said we got to do this flip because if he's not the one talking about the resistances that he broke, then you guys should have never done this podcast to begin with. Wow. Wow. I am humbled, there's, man. Thank you. I am humbled. There, there is that. Now, to start this thing off, I want to, I wanna, actually, I want to flip. So we're flipping the script. It's a, a guest has now become the host. This is this pandemonium. <laughs> But I wanted to, and, and I want to, well, maybe write to you, Johnny, as the as first question. And, and Francisco, I'm going to ask you the same question because you've been doing this a whole season. And what is it that you've learned, Johnny? What's stuck out to you in this whole kind of breaking resistance? And by uh, I, the way, feel free to name names. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I think this season taught us that everybody has an amazing story and i think that's the biggest thing that i walked away from in this season with all the guests that we've had on even guests that we thought we knew something about before surprised us to some extent um i think everybody has a surprising twist on how they view life how they go through it 
uh, everybody's story is unique. Everybody's journey is is really really interesting and unique. And and I am I was humbled and honored to 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 be honest with you to interview all the guests that we've had this season. It's uh, it's been it's been an amazing amazing learning experience for me. Uh, I mean the nuggets of wisdoms that I walked away from myself is have been have been uh, have been amazing. I don't know about you, Francisco. Well, I'm going to come. I'm going to come back to you on some nuggets, but Francisco. What would you add yeah, to that? Yeah, to echo to, to his response, I mean, it's what connects us. I honestly, I came in with um, with the mentality, okay, we're gonna we're gonna really pick up on a ton of value and to really know what a lot of these um, our guests actually went through that maybe we can even in, uh, start in basically in how do you how do you want to say it implement in our own day-to-day lives and so the I, I started to actually see that a lot of our guests I mean it really connected with us there was so many similarities uh, as to uh, a lot of what they went through and what we're going through and that we share some common ground but I mean if you really just sit down and just take the time to really speak to, to our guests or or anybody else in general Everybody has their unique story and it really connects us with all together. Stories connect all of us. And so I really picked up, I mean, it was just like, like John said, there was so many things that I never would have thought of um, on people that we actually knew on a professional level that they were able to actually share with us some of their personal experiences. And it really touched us, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's been a very humbling experience so far. And, and I've, I've loved it since well, then. My wife, who, if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. That's how much <laughs> I'm connected to this woman. Always said, you know, when reality TV was becoming a thing, and we're, we, we're, I mean, we'll watch reality TV all the time. I, anything that says a real housewife, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. But she always says that, that, um, that real people are more interesting than characters. And that's the thing about what you're saying, Francisco, is that we, when we hear someone's real story, we have an opportunity to place ourselves in the middle of that story and think about how we would have reacted. And that goes directly into implementation. It's a great takeaway. Now, now, Johnny. Yeah. Any specific nuggets, any specific call outs that you're going to implement? Uh, you know, I, I think, I think probably developing, uh, some, some, I'm going to probably try to adopt some healthy habits from some of our, some of our guests, not necessarily, well, not just healthy, but, but good habits, uh, whether it's from a schedule perspective, I've heard a lot of great, we've heard a lot of great nuggets from people on how they, uh, how they implement different habits in their daily life and, you know, how it helps them kind of set up their day or set up their week or month or year or whatever it is. Um, I'd, I'd love to probably implement some of these habits and probably the, 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 the one and the most habit that I would probably start to use, and I'm going to steal it from one of our guests. And I can't even remember who, who brought it to our it's attention. Not, is, it's not a steal. I mean, if you learn it, it's education. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's essentially, uh, setting up, setting up, taking some time to sort of meditate and set up your day, um, uh, and, and your week and, and do it on a daily basis. I'm going to definitely, I, I've actually started already doing that. So that's, uh, I, I said that. I said that. You said that. Is that you? <laughs> oh, I, mean, I don't know if I said that, but I do that. I mean, yeah. That's a, but that's a that's a but that's a simple habit. I was talking to a group this morning. And I said you'll be shocked uh, of of the small thing that can make a big difference. I mean, that's really the the that's really the journey. Is that what's the small thing that makes the biggest difference? That's one of them. Absolutely. That's a good takeaway. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And and that, that by itself is a good takeaway. Actually, a lot of the small things, and that's what I, I mentor a lot of people, and we do coaching and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's it's one of the things I tell people is like, look, sometimes the smallest things, the smallest incremental changes that you make can make a huge difference because it's like the butterfly effect. You don't don't know what you implement on a day-to-day basis that's going to cause you to to take a different crossroad at some point. You know, you you know, maybe you go to you go out of your comfort zone and go to a networking event that you don't normally go to and who knows who you'll meet or or you know, you uh you pick up the phone and, and call someone uh important in your business life that you would not normally call and have a conversation with them and you know, who knows what they what that might lead to. So just sometimes small steps can can really affect us in a big way. Good, Francisco. Anything that you're going to implement? Oh, um, 
actually, actually, I would like to point it out. There's two. One, I'll start off with you, which was this, the one thing that actually did. <laughs> one thing that actually really stood out is that you've never missed a, a day in pr- of prayer. Yeah. Um, I've always, um, since since when my act- my daughter was able to actually kind of learn and pick up on, on some things that I'm like, okay, I think now it's the time where I can actually teach her that. We, we always pray every night, even prior to us having that... Um, that uh conversation but it was just at times i would always struggle where man i should pray but my daughter would always have to be reminding me versus me just doing it and so now it's just like no matter what whether if it's a time that i do want to or i don't want to or it's just not i'm not feeling like if i should i'm gonna go ahead and do it so i've been actually praying every single day whether it's in the morning it's in midday or in the night with my daughter i've been doing that and another one is i'm gonna point out logan freeman he actually i've i've been actually waking up every i think last year i was more consistent when i was waking up every single day at 3 30 in the morning to get my day started i've kind of now shifted to 4 30 but the fact that how he really said stated that how if he wakes up at 4 a.m. every single day, he already has a head start over everybody. Yeah. And so yeah. having that, it, it always there's times where I don't want to wake up and I'm just like, man, I'm just like, I just want to sleep in. But I've been trying my best to actually stay as consistent as possible for me. And that's the first one that, that comes to my mind is my Logan already has a head start again. So, so Logan, <laughs> if you're listening to this, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably chime in and just send me a message on this, but man, I always the first thing that comes into my head is just like, man, Logan's already ahead of you. He's well, like, yeah, there's somebody I, already who's working harder than you. So Francisco, get, get let's tell up. Logan. Let's tell Logan that we're recording this podcast at two thirty a.m. So <laughs> we, we've got a, we've, <laughs> we've got a head start on him now, Francisco. I don't know if you've noticed this, but have you looked at Johnny's face? And the consternation and pain that's on this individual's face, because he's he knows what's about ready to go down. I mean, there. Hey, Johnny, who's the one? Who's the one person on the face of this earth that probably knows more about you than anybody? You, Chris. You, you know. That's it's, right. It's, it's so not. It's, it, and, and let me let me clarify. It's not that Chris knows more yes. about me than anybody else in this world, that's which right. he does. But it's the fact that. What he remembers in very specific yes. and scary details about me, yes. I long forgot. Yes. There, I, I, I have yes. memories that I've long forgotten or maybe maybe suppressed that he that he that he yes. knows and remember in in in, in very painful details. Painful. It, it's a it's a skill that I have somehow acquired and cultivated, but I remember great details, which by the way is a really useful thing in tech. It's also useful when a good friend of yours asks you to come on their podcast. <laughs> so I'm actually really looking forward to this. I mean, like I, I've only known John for about five years, but I mean, yeah. we really connected like on a personal level. Nothing like you, Chris. So I'm actually looking forward to learning some, well, some new things about John. <laughs> that's so. So let's let's get started, and we need to get right into the action. See how nervous he is. I, you can, I've never seen I've never seen anyone have sweaty palms on a podcast. You can tell that oh his, his palms are all. You can tell he's clammy. This is. Let's get to it though. Let's get to it. So here's the thing, Johnny. Let's do this. Um, there's a lot that people probably don't know about you, but you 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 were born and raised in Aleppo in Syria. Correct me if I'm wrong. And you, yep. but your 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 father was a very successful importer exporter. Yeah. And and because of that success, you had a lot of access to a lot of things. Tell yeah. everyone about kind of how that start there. Uh, you know, like growing up, I mean, yeah, I mean, I grew up, I, I, I certainly didn't grow up in a, a household that needed anything or, or lacked anything. Um, at least from what I know of the reality at the time. I mean, obviously it's, it's, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have, I didn't have cereal until I was 16, but that's, that's just because I grew up in, uh, overseas. So it's got nothing to do with the financial or, or, you know, status of, of the family. Um, but, uh. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a in a, in a house that uh, my dad worked a lot, and and uh, he was, you know, he kind of uh, he was the first entrepreneur I've ever met. You know, he's the one that left a, a you know a cushy job, you know, at a, a sort of a cushy government job to open up open up his own office and run his own firm. Um, he was a lawyer by trade, and 
he wanted to get into import export, and um, that's what he did. He he pretty much uh, you know left a, a you know a, a great cushy job with the government and and kind of branched out on his own. Did that impact you in any way? I know you were probably pretty young. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I can't really remember, you know, uh, what it was like before um, from a life perspective. I mean, I, you know, again, I grew up with a, in a very loving home of, of my mom, even though she was a, she was a, a housewife for the most part. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't remember it impacting me or not impacting me. I, you know, I, I, I was, I'm the youngest of five kids. So I, I grew up with a, with a very very lenient schedule because i think by the time that that uh, the the bowl came yeah. around came around to me and my mom yeah. was all was all done and it so was my yeah. dad he was like yeah, you just just get out of our hair just just go yeah. you know and show up show up after 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 dinner or show up at 10 o'clock and and and, and wash up and go to bed so you know you uh you told me a story that your mom validated that when you were a little kid, you tried to adopt a pet donkey. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, the fun's just getting started. Oh, yeah. oh, you, yeah. you, it, it is just yeah. getting started. What, 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 how did you? How did your heart go out to this stray donkey? I well, there was like a, a for some reason or another. You know, Syria went through a couple of different uh, civil wars. You know, even the time when I was yeah. there, and uh, and I think after the first after the one of the uh, first civil wars that we went through in the 80s uh i guess there was a lot of people that just got displaced and a lot of uh sellers like grocery sellers and all like so in syria you got to understand a lot of the people who come in from the countryside they bring their donkeys and that's how they bring in vegetables and and fruits and all that kind of stuff and that's what they sell it on the streets um i'm sure you probably francisco may, may have seen something similar to that in, in mexico mexico when you go down there so but oh yeah um so but uh, but yeah i, I guess I'm, during one of those times i you know I, I according to to my parents anyway because i couldn't understand it there's apparently there was a a huge uh influx of those guys those sellers that just kind of let their animals go because they either couldn't afford them or maybe they got they, they got killed or or whatever and and, and there was, there was these, there was a year where these like, oh, you know, there was all these animals walking around the city like aimlessly with no owners, you know, including donkeys. So and uh, and and yeah, he and just happened to be attached. To, did you name it? I, <laughs> he just happened to be. So we lived right across this 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 like almost like a river, and uh, it had like a little grazing ground, and and that's where the monkey donkey was, and and we went went out every day and fed it and brought it lettuce and carrots and leftovers. And, you know, and yeah, I, you know, kind of kept it fed and, and, and he was, he hung out there for like a month or two. So, uh, you're such a humanitarian. So, um, <laughs> it wasn't a short while after that, that your, your parents or your father or somebody made a pretty big decision, which was, we got to get out of Syria and we have to go to the United States. Tell everyone just in as much, because I believe that this is the core to breaking resistance. You go, you're going to go from one culture to another culture. And I want to talk about that a lot, but what, tell us about what led you, what, what led the family up to make a decision like that? And then how did it, how did you feel in the middle of that? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, my, I think my father saw the writing on the wall of what was coming, what was to come. 20 years later, as we saw from this civil war that, that ravaged the country in the past six or seven years in Syria. But, uh, um, I, you know, I, he, he saw what's coming. He saw the writing on the wall. He was um, he had some uncomfortable pressures from people in government that that he needed to, you know, either make a change or he felt like he was he either needed to bring some investors on that were not savory to him. And didn't he didn't want to take that chance of having to look over his shoulder or his family's shoulder for the rest of his life and decided to pull the plug. And I'm sure that was a hard decision. Very, very. I can't even imagine making the same decision now. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you, yeah. What do you think that was like for him? I, I, you know, I don't know, but I mean, I can only imagine how hard it would, it would be because I mean, you can, I can imagine me being in the shoes that I am here today. And let's even say five years from, cause he left Syria. He, I mean, he was in his late fifties. Um, and you know, and, and my, you know, I, I can't imagine leaving completely disconnecting, pulling the plug on my life in my late fifties, you know, and starting over from scratch at a whole different country that you didn't know anything, a damn thing about, and you didn't have any connections. And furthermore, to double down on that, you're having to leave 
everything behind, like, you know, leaving land or houses or whatever that you may, may or may not, not, not ever get access to. So e- economically, it's, it's just not the kind of thing you want to do in your late 50s. No, definitely not. Go ahead, yeah. Francisco. I mean, we see think? this, I mean, we see this, um, and not, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are, but I mean, we see this as well, even in the Hispanic community. I mean, like, I mean, we, we have, I'm, I mean, even, even on my side, I mean, my dad came from Guadalajara, Jalisco. So, I mean, he, he came over, but at a young age, but no one to ever really say, Hey, you're in your late fifties, almost 60 years old and having to make that move, but not just by yourself. Usually we, they, we see this where they come over here at a young age be able to kind of support their family, either whether it's still over in Mexico or having to even bring their whole family over, but to just to have a better future for their kids or the next generation. And so, but just having that shift, I mean, that that, that must have been just something impact. I mean, as hard as it is already, it must have been hard for him. And even just, I mean, how old were you? 15, 16 years old? Yeah. Then? Yeah. Yeah. I was 15, 16. Yeah. 16 that's, when I came here. Yeah. That's tough. That's yeah. tough. Oh yeah. I mean, but yeah, as tough as it was for me and, and obviously back and when you were 15, 16, you don't have perspective and that's, that's the, I, you know, I think Francisco, you hear me talk about that word perspective a lot and perspective is perspective is, I think is probably one of the most important things that we can have in life. Uh, because it's, it, it, it not only clarifies and teaches and, and, and it really gives us an opportunity to examine in a very critical contextual way. And, and, and obviously you, I can't, you can't expect a 15, 16 year old who's been plucked out of his social network to have perspective. (laughs) So, you know, so I didn't have perspective. Well, you're, you plucked out of your social network and then you're put into a social network that had to be as far polar opposite as your, the place that you got plucked out of. I want to talk about that. And Francisco, it actually, the story gets a little worse and John's it's going to be, it's going to be tough to talk about, but we're going to talk about it because here's, because you're right. He's in his late fifties. He makes the decision to leave everything. He's actually, I stand corrected. He was actually in his early sixties because I just, I just did the calculation in my head when he moved here, when he moved here, he was actually, because my dad passed away within, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, within seven years of moving here. And he was 69 when he passed away. So he was I mean, six, he was technically 62 when he moved to the United States. Wow. I mean, John, you, I mean, I'm sure you even went through some, some, some stuff. I mean, even think about contemplating making your move from Boston to Charlotte, let alone having to be in your sixties, moving literally, let's say out of the States into another full country. Yeah. That's just oh, yeah. a Absolutely. culture that's just going to completely change everything. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's a big, big. Uh, let's, let's, let's get it. Francisco, it gets worse. Let's get into it. And, and I got to but I want to say one thing, cause I don't want to sit on this. I don't want to natural born United States citizens don't understand this. They do not understand this. I'm speaking on behalf of those people is they don't understand exactly what it is to say, I'm leaving everything behind and I'm going here for the prospect of something better. Now, one of the, one of the tough things, and we can stay on this as long as you want, but one of the downsides now, Johnny, you have, was it two brothers, two sisters, two brothers, two sisters, correct. But then you, you had a brother when you immediately came to the United States that had an accident. It can, can yeah. you feel like you feel like talking about that? Yeah. This was like yeah. your introduction to your new culture. Yeah, yeah, it was a tough year. It was definitely not the most savory year to move to to a new country. Uh, you, obviously, the, the moving by itself is is hard enough. You, um, you know, we moved to this leaving uh, everything behind, yep. leaving everything behind. We moved to uh, not so you know decent area in Charlotte, North Carolina, actually, and 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 uh, moved into this like you know C class apartment complex, um, and um, you know uh, within. Within about a year of us being in the United States, uh, my oldest brother had a motorcycle accident and, and got killed by a drunk driver. So, um, and uh, that was, uh, needless to say, devastating to to the whole family. Hey, and, you, you know, we we didn't we met years later, and you still hadn't dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to deal with. It's a tough thing to deal with. It's certainly tough for, for me. I was really close with him. Uh, I am as close with both my brothers. I'm, I am close with, you know, with, 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 you know, with my, my whole family, but, uh, I was very close with him. He was, uh, 
he was a very gentle soul and, um, yeah. And we had, you know, he was, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about life trajectory. I mean, you know, him and I used to talk about, cause he was finishing his, um, uh, architecture school and he was going to practice architecture in California and he was going to actually move away from, from North Carolina to California to practice architecture. And, um, he was going to essentially talking to me about possibly going out to school with him. He's like, yeah, it's going to be great. You can, I can get you in, you know, we can maybe work on getting you into something like you know, UCLA or, or one of the, one of the universities up there. Um, I played soccer at the time. And I loved soccer. I loved soccer at the time. And he knew that. And he said, you know, we can get you maybe in a, see if we can find you a team and all that. And so, I mean, there was a, there was a whole life planned that was completely appended you know, with, with his death. Um, and that's, you know, you, you talk about the crossroads. I, you know, I, I don't know. I can't imagine what my life would have been like if he was still alive. I don't probably a completely different life than what I have today. You still think about him? Uh, I don't think about it. I think about him. Uh, obviously yeah, I don't, that's you know, what I asked. Do you still think? Oh, about of course. Him? There's not a day goes by that. I don't think about my oldest brother. Um, he's, uh, oh yeah, he's, he's, He's with me all the time, just as my father is. Um, you know, my father's death affected me in a different way. My brother's death yeah. affected me in a whole different way altogether. Um, and my, my father, by the way, passed away within... So the first year, uh, as, I, as I was mentioning, we lost my, my brother after moving here. And then, um, you know, five years later, six years later, my father passed away also. Well, that was like one of the worst phone calls that I ever got. Cause, cause Johnny called me, told me his father had passed. It was somewhat unexpected and, and I hope I'm not sharing anything too personal, but you said you didn't, you never got to say goodbye. And that was absolutely heartbreaking. That was like one of the most heartbreaking things I think I've ever heard in my life. And what, what, what'd you mean by that? I told you I knew a lot of personal stuff. No, I know. Of course you were, you were a huge part of my life. Um, uh, I, 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 I didn't, I was working in Seattle at the time. And, uh, by the time I got the call from my brother and, um, uh, my other brother, Tony and my other family and told me to come home. And, uh, my father was having a lot of heart issues for, for a couple of years. He had a, uh, a bypass surgery and, um, he was, he was not in good health. Um, and, uh, he told me to come home. He said he was, he's something bad happened and he was not, he was not doing well. Uh, but unfortunately, by the time I made the flight from Seattle to Charlotte, uh, when I got, when I got in, he was, he was already gone. Mm. Tough. How'd that affect you? It sucks. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. It sucked back then. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it still sucks now. So, but you know, I miss my dad in, in, in many different ways as, as we go through life, you know, we want to, um, as we, uh, you know, accomplish different goals and go through different things in our life. Um, you know, we, we wish to share those, uh, moments with, you know, the, the ones that we want to make proud. And obviously it's, it's, you know, uh, that, that is not possible, but you know, Hey, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have him as long as I did have him. I was lucky enough for him to, uh, to come and see my college graduation. And this was, this was the first time I ever saw my dad cry actually in my college graduation. He was, he was actually not in the best of health at all, but you know, he made it in, he was in a wheelchair and, um, he cried. Well, we all cried, Johnny. We all cried. We didn't think you were ever going to get through. That's it. true. That's true. I, you know, I, I don't think anybody, <laughs> I think a lot of people cried of joy when I graduated college. <laughs> I was there. I saw you graduate and we graduated in the same class. I sat in the audience and you graduated, but look, let's, let's, I got to tell you something. Let, it's a little heavy right now, so let's let's lighten it up a little bit. Uh, be honest with me. Your dad never cared for me, did he? Well, you know, it's not a, my, my dad never cared for you. <laughs> I think part of that whole that that whole sort of rebellion that I went through for and uh, right. uh, you know for my parents, and I, I, even back then, I remember thinking at it, thinking about it in terms of, well, these guys moved moved me here to a place that I'd never wanted to move to, and you know, in this. And this, and this screwed up existent as a teenager, you know, I'm, I am, I'm having such a horrific time in high school, finishing this last year of high school. I don't know the language. I don't have friends. I, you know, I, I can't even talk to a girl. Like I don't, you know, I don't know any, any of that stuff. So in order for me to, to, to rebel against all of that, I am going to erase anything that has to do with my culture. You know, I am going to almost deny my ethnicity to some extent. 
And that's hard. It's hard. It's, it's hard for That's probably the hardest thing you can do to a Middle Eastern family, um, you know, where, you know. You, I remember you, you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and that was, that was my rebellion. That was my way of saying, you know what, screw this. I don't know why you did this to me. And, and because you did this to me, I'm going to do this to you to some extent. Uh, you know, again, talk about that whole thing about perspective. Like, I, you know, I'm thinking back at it now, I was like, wow, I was such an a-hole back then, you know, as a teenager, but, you know, teenagers by themselves, by in and in themselves are, you know, yeah. ad, attitude ridden as you know, as well as I do, Chris, with, with yeah. the kids that you have. So, uh, but, yeah, well, but, but, but then when you combine your, your teenage years with Chris, it just yeah. t- turns into no, something it gets way totally worse. Yeah, oh, yeah, it gets it's way, way worse. worse. <laughs> it gets worse. So my hey. way of rebelling against that is like, Hey, what, let, let me find the people that are the most on the fringe of not what they what my parents would like let me find the long-haired hippie freaks uh let me find the 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 leather wearing tie-dyed wearing long-haired thrash music listening friends that i can that i can i i can get and let me put those in my circle and that's who i'm gonna hang out with and that's where chris came in (laughs) and i I fit the bill and by the way we should put if you do show notes or anything like that i got a couple of pictures from us from college so we should put that on the show notes oh no we're definitely uh yeah we'll we'll put it together with this whole show make sure that we post it as our uh, on our social media okay it's It's gonna gonna get out there look if my name my nickname came out on the podcast the least we can do is put. Oh, is that pictures. is that right? What was your what was I didn't, I missed that I, I don't remember seeing that. Oh, yeah, you oh, missed man. that. You we missed that. You missed that episode. You missed that episode. No, I'll, go, I, I'll go. I'll go back and listen to it. But is, I, go ahead. I, I, well, I was gonna. I want to kind of double down on a couple of stories that I think are just fun, and then we'll maybe. Well, I want to move to what is the resi- and by the way i'm flipping through my phone to see if i can catch one of these photos real quick <laughs> oh my god um, i don't think what do you, what do you have a category you already have a making fun of johnny category pictures in your phone i got it i got it no i have a category that says how to piss off your middle eastern parents <laughs> that's, that's that's the uh, that's the category oh, that's bingo. amazing that's amazing oh wow look at that oh wow oh yeah. man yeah, yeah. baby Bingo! I'll send it to you. Those of you that are listening on audio, yeah, you got you, you're not going to be able to unsee that. That yeah. was that was that was spring break 1989. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. There there's so many there's so many stories that relate to breaking resistance. We're still kind of sitting on this big change, America, loss of a brother, huge. I mean, that would just be difficult for anybody. But you have a cultural shift. One. One of the most heartbreaking stories that you ever told me, which was kind of funny, you were trying to tell me as it being funny, but I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. Was when you were the bus was late. You remember the bus was late, <laughs> and the bus. <laughs> like he's putting his hat on. He's trying to get out of oh this. Oh my god! The, the, bus, the bus was, was late, late yes. and the bus the bus driver was telling Johnny that he was sorry for being late, but but because you didn't know any English. What did you think he was telling you? By the way, folks, I'm not making fun of Johnny. I'm trying to prove a point about how difficult it is to go from one culture to another. And this is this is evidence number one. No, it's a, what, it's a, it's hilarious. Story? Yeah, I thought the bus driver was wanting wanting me to pay for the ride, you know, and I didn't I didn't I didn't know. I was like I I I I have no money. I thought he was asking you for a penny. I thought he was asking right? me for like a penny or asking me for something for like, you know, I was like, damn, like, you know, this keeps getting worse. Not only did I, not, not only am I in this, in this crap situation, now the damn school bus driver wants to pay, wants me to pay for my ride. So. <laughs> How did you get out of that? How did you resolve that? Did, he was just like, get to the back of the bus, kid. I, I That's think, a tough situation. Yeah, I think I was like trying to dig into my pockets or something like that. And he was like waving, no, no, no. And then they like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I had, I didn't know English back then you got to remember so i mean it was i was i was trying to like do the best i can i was in esl classes and then you know he just finally waved me to the back of the bus or something like that so story evidence number two johnny's driving his dad's car which was a corsica well do you remember what year this corsica is we really need to set this up for the audience i don't this was probably like an 89 88 corsica something like that 89 corsica who makes corsica was it a chevy chevy yeah it was a chevrolet chevy corsica johnny gets uh stopped and pulled for speeding do you remember this story 
Yeah, of course I remember the story. Yeah, <laughs> every every story you tell, I remember when you start to tell it. <laughs> and, and, and what did you tell the cop that got you in? What did you tell the cop when they said that you were speeding? I, I, I said, come on, man, this is only a Chevy Corsica. It's not like I'm driving a Porsche. And that landed him in the slammer, just for a little while. Don't do that, folks. Don't do that. Why? What was? Did you think that was going to help you, Johnny? I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was thinking. I, I had no idea. I was. I was just as. I, I was still in my angry phase back then, and and uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I had no idea. I was such an idiot. <laughs> so. I, I probably. I feel bad about bringing this story up, Francisco. Is this going to make the podcast? Oh, it's going to make the podcast for sure. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't get arrested. He didn't get arrested. He has no criminal record. He's a very good, upstanding citizen. But don't say that stuff, kids. <laughs> listen, listen to. I didn't, listen I, to I, Uncle Johnny. I never don't did. How not to stuff. approach a cop who's pulling you over? Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Yeah, it's no usually kidding. just yes, sir, yes, ma'am, whatever you need. You know, stuff like that, right, Johnny? I know. It's that's that's absolutely what I've learned later in life to 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 do is to not to antagonize anybody, especially a police officer that stops you Don't, it, yeah especially when you were speeding anyway moving on and by the way johnny was a horrible driver i, I still am i still am a horrible much. driver i'm still okay. it, it, anybody you talk to who rides with me it will tell you i'm a horrible driver <laughs> I, matter of I, fact my second trip out there i think i was actually driving john from Asheville back home to charlotte so that that tells you enough that he doesn't he doesn't like to drive much well that's i think that's very helpful for the uh the driving public i got so many stories i could tell around that but you know what johnny let's don't go there yeah this is going to sound yeah. like i'm picking on you this this is about breaking resistance and in the, the the last story is actually a story that i still tell to this day because it is such it is such a I think it is such kind of like, um, I'm going to use a big word because I teach school, a microcosm of how difficult it is to operate in a culture. But it is a little funny. Um, when one of the, Johnny and his family just happened to arrive in the United States in very late October. And on October the 31st, he gets a knock at the door. And... Johnny, can you pick up the story from there? We actually arrived earlier than that, but but that uh, that October was our first October in the United States, and uh, and I I we had I the whole family I, I guess well not the whole family my my brothers knew about Halloween, but we didn't know about Halloween because I don't you know, I guess yeah you know, and it wasn't explained to us or something like that so. Um, and uh, yeah, so we didn't know we didn't know Halloween was 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 happening that 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 night. And, and, and you know, thirty first of October, you know, we're sitting around and 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 all these critter kids started knocking on our door. And you know, and my <laughs> he says he opens the door to the first one, knows no English, and is like. And then what did you do? You just slammed the door on them? Was I was like, I did, they door? had like they were like trick or treat, and you know, I was I didn't know what trick or treat meant. I'm like. Okay, thank you. And then we slammed, we slammed the door back or something like that. You know? But and then, then they, it happened. To, but then they kept on coming. You know, they had some more right. knocks on the door. Some more knocks on the door. And my and I remember my dad was running around the house at the time, going, "What the heck is going on? Shut the lights. Turn off the. You know, turn off the light. Don't let. Don't let. I don't know what's going on outside. And you have to like call my brother. He's like, "What are all these people coming to our house? Why are these people knocking on our door to, to you know, with with." Some Something yeah. and all dressed up. <laughs> they shut the lights off and lock the door and they hide. Okay, we're not picking on Johnny, but that to me, I mean, that it, to it, me. It's what Johnny said. I mean, it's really opening, like, just the, just really having perspective from having a full culture shift of just jumping here into the U.S. and just completely not knowing anything and having to adapt to a whole brand new environment that you've never been around in is just remarkable. It's, it's insane. It is, I don't think people can really comprehend the how tough and how hard that really is. Agreed. And if anyone, if anyone in the sound of this podcast thinks I'm making fun of that man, Francisco, that is the point that I want to make. Is that you, by the way, let me tell you something about success and then we're going to move on just real quick. Is that when you have, when you have this many strikes against you, our society allows you to say, I don't have to try. Yeah. 
And, and Johnny, you didn't do that. Not only did you not do that, but you did the opposite of that, which was you said, I'm going to keep trying. Okay, enough of me talking. How did you break that resistance? I, I just, I didn't want to. And finish I, the story, by the way. Tell us about what happened. No, I, I, there's really, that was it. That was the end of the funny story as far as the Halloween story. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, I didn't ask the question right. Take us for, now, you're getting ready to break resistance. You're going to graduate from college. Take us, take us from there. How'd you do it? Well, I, I actually probably started in even high school, to be honest with you, because that what, that high school year was probably the one of the hardest years of my life. Um, you know, I, I not knowing English. Uh, you know, not knowing environments, not, not, not having any, anybody other than, I mean, obviously my parents are around, but they weren't really, I mean, uh, you know, my family wasn't really that much of a support system because they didn't know either. I mean, no, they didn't know what the heck is going on. They didn't it's know what to, to yeah. it's new to everybody. They didn't like, you know, they didn't know, like my guidance, my guidance counselor in high school was probably the closest thing to some, somebody who actually knew a little bit of something who cared a little bit of something, what, what happens next. Um, and, uh, you know, the big, the, the first acts I remember doing was taking myself out of ESL classes in high school. Um, and, you know, tell, tell, tell my guidance counselor, I want to be in the general population, <laughs> you know, put, put me in with the regular, with the regular English, English folks. I don't want to be, I don't want to be with ESL classes anymore. And that was, and he looked at me like I was like, I had three heads, you know, he's like, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to take yourself out of ESL classes? Um, you can have the opportunity to, to actually continue with ESL classes and stay in them until you graduate high school. I said, well, what is that going to teach me? I was like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna teach me English and 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 integrate into society the way I want. I'm stuck with a bunch of, bunch of other, you know, clueless guys and and gals who don't know what the heck's going on and trying to figure out this language thing, you know. Together, they're not gonna make me any better. So I needed to surround myself with people who make myself make me better, and that's probably the earliest times that I remember doing this proactively as a as a as a human being is. And, and I still practice this to this to this very day is is the, you know, and I tell this to Francisco and everybody else that that I interact with is surround yourself with people that will make you upgrade your game, not the other way around. You know, it's you know, I want to be around people that are smarter than I am, better than I am, who can you know, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. I want to be with other people who are smarter than I am. And in that particular case, it happens to be people who knew English <laughs> a lot better than I am. We, you know what? You laugh at that, but that, I got to tell you, that's worth the price of admission right there, right there. You got to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. But the other thing you had to do, which is frowned upon, is you had to break a pretty major rule in school, which is I didn't want to be in ESL. I want to be over here. And, you know, school will tell you, no, you need to be over here. But I think a lot of success means that you have to break a rule. What's your... Yeah. What's your oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, absolutely. I mean, did I graduate with the stellar grades out of high school? No. Did I, you know, I... I remember I, that. You know, I did not. And I don't, you know, I took, I took the SATs, but I bombed those. I had to take, I had to, you know, obviously, because I, my English, my English uh, comprehension was not the best. Uh, I did end up, you know, I guess leveraging what I had, which is, uh, you know, the fact that I was a foreigner, I took the TOEFL, which was another test that was available for foreign students that would allow you to, to get into college. And somehow or another, by the grace of God, I was able to actually make it into a college, uh, which was Gaston College, a community college uh, in the area. So, I mean, they, I got to tell you something. They take everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why you and I met there. It's, it, yeah. But that's okay. But I got to tell you, we're doing a lot of we're doing a lot of great work at Gaston College. Johnny and I are, are on this thing together, and and one of the things that we want people to know about our community college system this is like a little ad, is that you do have an opportunity to recreate yourself. You did that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, man. I mean, this is this is why I wanted to be. To be honest with you, one of the biggest uh, motivation for me to be on this board with you is life is a really interesting circle. I mean, this is, here's a, a, a an institution that I barely made my way into that, that was able to take me and accept me. And actually some of the earliest lessons that I had in, you know, uh, pedagogically and educationally was done there in my, in the community college system. And, uh, so I'm a huge fan of the community college system, obviously, and, and the junior college system. So now I have the opportunity to somewhat give back by being on the board of that, that exact college. That's right. And we, we what was your, 
they put us on this board together, and that's like the stupid. That was a huge mistake. Yeah, that was a huge mistake. Nothing is ever going to get done. And and I think our professors actually had a a side pack to ensure that we both weren't in class together because we never really had class. I think so. I think we're on on a screening list together. It's like, oh, we got we got Chris. Not like we can't have John again. We got yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, well, what what happened? What happened after college that was? Because I really believe that you, you still had ups and downs. But what what happened after college that allowed you to break this resistance? Uh, I I just had to go through different. Yeah, I had to go. I have to go through life. I had to find my way. I mean, you know, I worked uh, for my brother uh, for a while, and and you know, in his company, and then um, that he had at the time. But I knew I had to. I knew I had to. I had to move beyond that i knew i had to sort of prove my own way um and and just find life um and see how where it takes me i worked for a company that had me travel uh a good a good amount and live in different places and um and then they got bought out and i had to and i was out of a job to some extent and and um i uh decided that i was going to move to uh, Boston, which is where my, my sister and my mom were, were living at the time. Well, I'm actually, but my sister's only were living at the time. And, uh, so I did, I, you know, I moved up there. I had no, no, no job, no prospects or anything. I, I worked for, you know, when I got there, I worked for Xerox, you know, selling copiers door to door. Um, you know, before I got even, got even a chance to get into the investment industry and somehow or another, I got great interviews and, and, uh, made my way into, into, onto, onto the equity desk at Morgan Stanley. What did that teach you? Uh, you Just know, you, got, you, you gotta do what Stanley. you gotta do what you gotta do. Oh, the experience I'm working Stanley. Oh, that taught me a lot. It taught me a whole lot. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, being on a, being in a boiler room teaches you a whole lot really fast. You know, it's, uh, and it's, it's the, it's the, it's, it's trial by fire every day. Um, you know, started out, you know, even with the hiring process, I mean, it's, it's, you know, they have to, you have to balance out studying, working 12, 14 hours a day, uh, because you have to take your licenses and, and it's, it's, uh, back then is like, you know, you, you have three or four months to get your license and you go to the exam and if you fail it, you're, they tell you don't even bother coming back. They pack your stuff up and you can, you can be out, out the door if you, if you, if you fail your exams, your, 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 uh, FINRA exams to get your series seven and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then you, you, you go in and, and make about 250 cold calls a day, uh, starting at 7am in the morning. And, and, you know, I, I worked my schedule back then was working, you know, come in at 6:30, 7am work until nine, uh, calling, calling businesses then from 9am to, you know, one, two o'clock calling homes. And then around four o'clock, you take a break, go to do a workout, get a bite to eat, come back to the office at six and knock out some more calls until nine o'clock and get home at 10. So is that a good way to do it? Is that, I mean, that's a, I mean, look, that's, that's the only way I necessarily recommend it, but it's, it, it, the, what, what it taught me was, was unbelievable. I mean, the, the, you know, it taught me that, that no is just, it means nothing. You know, uh, what it taught me is that, you know, I put myself out of my comfort zone every single day and it, and it, and it yields results. What it taught me is that, you know, what we, what we put in is what we get out. Uh, what it taught me is that life is a numbers game. You know, it's, it's, you know, just because you get five failures or 10 failures or hundred failures or thousand failures, you get up and try it again. And at one point, a thousand one, it's going to work, you know, and that's, that's what it taught me. Yeah. Yeah, it was building muscle, as like we like to say, it's a muscle that you have to really build in, and it's it when you're actually put in that situation. And I come from the back in the collector's background where we were pumping out four or five hundred calls a day. I was getting uncomfortable even calling some people. I mean, you have these people screaming at me because I'm calling to collect for for some money. You know what I mean? So being put in that position, being uncomfortable, you start to get numb to that where you just kind of don't it's uncomfortable and it's scary for some but you've been through it so much that it's just numb to you you're just you're on to the next let's go what else can i actually do well i mean you say you say numb and johnny i need you to respond to this you say numb but i say you develop a skill because that that numbness is that you've actually acquired a skill that people don't have Mm-hmm. And and we're talking about dealing with human beings here, Johnny. What do you what do you say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that time, look, I was I was on the on, I was on on the desk at Morgan Stanley when nine eleven happened. So, 
you know, it's, it's, I can't tell you a more, uh, an experience that left such an indelible impression on my life as, as, as going through that experience, not just nine 11, the day itself. And I do remember the day itself. I actually remember the exactly what I was doing, where I was standing, how I was standing, how I felt, what I was looking, what I was looking at. You know, um, I remember everything about, about that day. And, um, and, uh, it, you know, but it taught me that, that, you know, it taught me a lot about people and dealing with people afterwards, because I, you know, we obviously we took a, we took some time off, uh, from the normal business for a few weeks, but then we started calling back out again. And, uh, you know, you get a, you get a, you get a, 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 you know, a panoply of responses when you, after that, you know, we were getting the angry, you know, I can't believe you're doing this, you piece of this and this and, uh, to, to, you know, God bless you for going back to work and, and, and making sure that America's running again. So, um, so you get, you get all wide swath of responses and, uh, neither good or bad. None of, you know, either swath is good or bad. It doesn't mean anything. It just, it just means that it just kind of teaches you about people even more. And, um, man, I, you know, I loved, I, I love people. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of people and dealing with people and relationships. Francisco's always known this about me. I am, I am a consummate, consummate lover of, of relationship building and development and, and, um, and working with people. I mean, I can't, I, yeah, there's a real, real you know. reason why we were able to kind of really hit it off and stuff. I, I feel I'm, I'm very similar, this very similar characteristics that John kind of brings to the table where, we just love to kind of just talk to people and build relationships and have really strong bonds besides anything. But I mean, just being able to be a people person really, really goes a long way. Like, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to judge yourself on how you love others and how they love you. A hundred percent. It's, it's not good. You know, there's no sense in overcomplicating that. Yeah. I'll say one thing about your, your calling after nine 11, it would have been easy for you to have said, well, uh, let me take a couple of months off or let me go look for something else. Or I, I, so I have older kids. I know you guys have kind of younger kids. Sebastian's 12, 13. 13. Yeah. And then for, and Francisco, you have younger kids. Four. Yeah. She's going to be five. Four. Yeah. That doesn't even count as a kid. They still really <laughs> like you and think you're awesome. <laughs> I have, I have two kids out of the house and two kids in the house. And my wife and I, who if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. Is she, we talk about did we do the right thing for our children and I and I always say absolutely because of one thing and Johnny this is this goes directly back to what you're talking about and I want to see what you think about this is that the two kids that are out of the house we have instilled some way in those kids a work ethic and I believe if you have a work ethic if you have a true work ethic you can get through anything because your natural inclination is going to be whenever, no matter how low you are, your natural inclination is going to be, oh yeah, but I've got to get to work. Johnny, it's a great example after 9-11 is that you picked up the phone and started calling. What's, what, what, what do you, how would you explain your work ethic to folks? I, I, I just, I, I gotta, I don't have, I never had time to uh, stop and re-examine, you know, what the sort of my work ethic was because I just had to do it. It's, it's not, you know, to me, stopping was not an option of anything. And still, it still is not, you know, stop, stopping was never an option for me. And maybe it's because of, you know, my immigrant background. Maybe it's because of, I think of, you know, what my dad had to go through to put us in, put us in this country and, 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 uh, you know, the sacrifices he made or, you know, to me, you know, having to stop and say, well, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to stop right here. And, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to try, um, you know, not trying is not, is never not, never an option, um, uh, for me has never been anyway. So, um, I, you know, I've never been, I've never been afraid of, never been afraid of work. I've never been afraid to try to make a living for my family. I've never been afraid to, to putting in, um, the hours. I've never been afraid to, you know, whatever it takes to get it done. Um, you know, I, I, we, you know, I went through some, some losses, you know, during the, during the two thousands you know, whether it's, you know, after this investment industry I actually opened up my first you know, company, um, after leaving Morgan Stanley with a couple of partners and we had a structured finance, um, consulting company at the time, uh, that we ran out of Boston and, uh, we, um, um, so we, we were, we were not, um, you know, we, 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 we just couldn't make it happen after, after 2008. And we just had to 
you know, we had to, you know, we had to call it, call it quits. And uh, I had to go back and we all had to go back and get day jobs. So, but that's fine. That's, that's just what you do. Um, and I was never afraid of that. It's fine. Um, and, uh, you kind of reinvent yourself and get, go back to work. I, I, I told my wife, my, you know, ex-wife by my wife at the time, I was like, you know, I'm, listen, I'm never afraid of working. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to, to earn a living. Um, and you just have to go back and try and try and try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we got a couple of minutes, let's kind of wrap it up here, but you, you, you felt the call to come back down South. Was it the food or the Bojangles biscuits or what was, what was, Okay, there was a little bit of blip, but, the, but that's because, um, I don't, I can't think of something funny right now. <laughs> I think the Syrian government has realized that this podcast is going on. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we, we can leave off uh, on the last question that, that you asked them, and then we can just close to see if we can start getting it wrapped up. I forgot why I asked him. Yeah, okay. well, I was, I was, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I answered the question about the, uh, oh, yeah. about the un- uncomfortable, being uncomfortable, or, be, or you know, work ethic and all that kind of but stuff. Then, so. But then you had a call. Okay, let's get, we're going to start right now. You, you had a calling to come back down south. And why was that? And, and kind of what's happened? And, and bring us up to date to where you are today. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, my brother Tony has started a, a company. Um, a multifamily acquisition company and uh that which i've known about i knew about and and i tried to get involved earlier on but uh he obviously built it and did a fantastic job and um he's he's you know one of my earlier inspirations and one of my earliest uh you know entrepreneurs that i've looked up to as an entrepreneur ever since i moved to the united states to be honest with you so he's he's one of those guys that are just uh does not know the word quit just like you know just like me and uh he's he went through his own travails and, and and his own breaking resistance stories and and uh he's uh he's been a he's been a, certainly an inspiration to me most of my life so by, by um, the way did i told you he's an inspiration to me too you did Have tell me that? that yes yeah, you told and me I, that before. I, I told him that too yeah but francisco um, another azar who at in the 80s really just did not like me <laughs> yeah. yeah my brother my brother my brother was acting like he was 60 when he was 30 so you know it's just that that's just how that's how that's how he's he grew up he grew up way too fast and became uh you know a mature adult uh, a lot faster than i did I, t- I took a different route but yeah. uh you know uh yeah my brother tony and i got uh sort of uh got back together for um our other company mac venture partners and uh in 2015 um i decided to 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 move south and and come back and join him and expand the platform and and um you know kind of take us to the next level there you go there you go so did you grow into i'm sorry i'm sorry to cut you off chris so i know like from your from you going into Morgan Stanley and then opening up your own firm I, i know you had a couple partners out in boston that you opened up your own firm having to go back to get day jobs. Like, did you grow into already wanting to get into real estate or was this just like another thing that you were just like, you know what, I'm just going to take another dive and start from scratch. Although you're not going to start from scratch because your brother already had started it. But right. is that yeah, like where was your mindset there? Um, yeah, at, look, I, 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 I knew that I did not want to, you know, having, having my earlier company taught me that I needed, I can't, I can't work for, I don't want to, I don't want my uh, future financial well-being dependent on the health of a large corporation, you know? So, and, uh, it's, it's not for everybody, obviously. I mean, there are plenty of people who are happy and they should, you know, be happy and, and there's nothing wrong with going the corporate route at all. Um, I, it just wasn't for me. I just didn't want it. Um, I, I knew I wanted to, the entrepreneurship route. And, um, and that's, that's, that's the impetus behind it. I, I knew that there was, I knew it was something that, uh, would give me an opportunity to, to, to grow, uh, my net worth and, 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 uh, provide for my family in a different way. 
And that's yeah, one and of the I, reasons. I, and, I, and I ask is because you already had the influence through your, through your father, because I know your father was your first the, like figure, entrepreneurial figure that you looked up to, and then now seeing it from your brother, but you taking your own leap, that was something probably scary all of its own, because I mean, you're used to always just having to be on your day job, having to jump to do now your own thing with some partners, having to see that fall and get crumbled because of the, the financial crisis, but just the mentality that really just kind of just changes because a lot of people, usually they're just like, man, I'm not taking that road anymore at all. Like yeah. I already went through that, man, that was messy. That was horrible. I think I'm just going to stay here in the safe side and stay in my, 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 my day job. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that, that, that whole thing about, you know, the failures I told you about earlier. I mean, you know, it's just another, it's just another fail. It's just another, no, it's okay to fail. It's not, it's, it's, you know, failure teaches us. It's the best teacher ever. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't mean end of the game uh, at all. It just means that's another way that you shouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I that's, love that, it. That's all it means. It just means it's another way not to do it. And that's that's well, you yeah. know, I mean, that's what failure's it means. Teacher, if failure is a teacher, I should be the smartest person in the world. I know I should be a freaking genius. <laughs> I got ripped off. They, they, oh. they never give you my definition of failure is when you do something stupid twice. And that yeah. backs up that idea is that you you sent yourself to school. Yeah. All right, let's do yeah. this. We, 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 we Unfortunately, we need to wrap it up, but we could probably do another one of these. How about next year? Let's flip the script again. Yeah, we'll but do it again. We'll do it I next year. I think we're probably going to start a trend. I think all the podcasters are probably going to start picking up off this, and they're going to kind of switch it. I think we just started something. I'd I mean, Francisco, what, what what sticks out to you? And then, and then by the way, isn't it isn't it a, a rhythm on this show that we do rapid fire? So I have a I have like a several rapid fire questions that we're just going to give to Johnny, and it's going to tell us a lot about it. But Francisco, what's kind of stuck out to you today? What did I you just learn? I I I love the fact that we can really connect a lot on a much deeper level. Um, and but seeing it as a perspective from a guest, I mean, it just really changes the whole environment and the energy in 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 this whole this whole episode. I mean, I know John. But just to kind of see you kind of ask these questions that maybe I probably couldn't have, have asked and his responses and your way of seeing it. I just love the fact that we can have more than one person just because we get different perspectives, different lens, different opportunities for someone to kind of speak on what their take is. And you can kind of pick up on something you probably didn't pick up on. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got to tell you, I, I don't know of one person who's gone through as much stuff as he's gone through and just continue to persevere. Yeah. It's absolutely no. remarkable. He's a beautiful person, beautiful person. No, right. absolutely. He's getting all weird now. And <laughs> I, I mean, by the way, I have a whole other set of stories that are just stupid. <laughs> we, it's going to be another podcast, but all right, rapid fire. Okay, Johnny, uh, uh, pick, choose a number between one and 10. Seven. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Wow. What's your favorite color? Uh, blue. In boxers or briefs? Uh, briefs. Okay, that's a lie. You don't wear underwear. All right. <laughs> <laughs> How do I know this? Well, that's the next podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was going to be my question, actually. Uh, well, why would you even have any knowledge of what my underwear habits are? <laughs> I know a lot about this guy. Too much. <laughs> and, and just for the record, I do wear underwear. Maybe I changed okay, from college yeah, to now. That was, so. Yeah, that was. <laughs> he's all grown up now. He's all yeah. grown up. Yeah. Well, John, yeah. Johnny, Final thoughts. What's your final thoughts? How would you close this today? Uh, man, final thoughts. I, 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 I love you as a human being, man. I've always loved you. You're, you're one of my, one of my best friends in the world. So you know me more than many, many people know me. And, um, you know, you, uh, you know, you make, you make life as beautiful as it is. People like you make life as beautiful as it is. And, um, I'm just, uh, I'm just honored to, to be in your circle and I'm honored to have you in my circle. Well, I didn't think it was going to be personal, Francisco. What's your final thoughts here? 
That's very nice. Oh man, it's it's been uh it's been quite a ride. Even though we probably only hit about I want to say five percent. We of really all did. Of John's. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. It's did. about five percent. So this podcast could have probably gotten way more extended. Probably could have gone like a Joe Rogan experience type. Maybe like about three four hours long. <laughs> oh, it's an experience, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I mean, it's uh. it's it's amazing. I mean, I love John um with all my heart. I mean, he knows it. I mean, I tell him on almost on a daily basis. He probably got used to that already but i mean just to be able to see his his journey i mean i've got to experience it with other guests but just to hear from him and his experience is just amazing it's thank amazing. it continues to amaze me i completely time. agree johnny thank you for being vulnerable enough to do this because you knew you were going to get hit hard you knew you were going to get hit hard on this thing and i hope i'll say it again because i've said it three times i'll say it again none of this is meant in any way to make fun of you all it is is to talk about what that you you've broken more resistance than I know anybody, but did we lose Francisco? I think so. He I got, think so. But he that's, got upset. <laughs> it's okay. He got upset. <laughs> he got upset and left. Let's oh, say, man. but I want to finish with this, and hopefully this will make the final cut. Is I want to finish with this. Is that Johnny? You don't. I don't know if you remember this, but when we were when we were in college and we were kids. We used to always hug me, and you used to always hug me and say, friends for life. Do you remember that? I remember that, yeah. I remember that, and I still mean it. You stuck to your word on that one, and I appreciate it. Uh, uh, I appreciate you more than you can imagine. There you go. It's a love fest. We should hug. (laughs) <laughs> all right how do you end these things i don't know how to end these we're we're wrapping it up man we're wrapping it up thank you guys for listening this was this is uh this is breaking resistance podcast uh we appreciate you um francisco can can wrap us up also but uh make sure to download the rest of the episodes from this past season if you have not listened to them again and, and see the first episode with uh, my good friend chris here Thanks for listening to the Jalal Azar podcast presenting Breaking Resistance. Make sure to keep the conversation going by following us on Instagram and LinkedIn and check out our latest projects by visiting www.peak15cap.com. I'm Jalal John Azar. And I'm Francisco Herrera. And this is Breaking Resistance.